But when you look at when you ask him questions, you know, do you think that a heart, uh, an abortion should be committed when there is a fetal heartbeat? Uh, majority will say no. They do not think that 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 should happen. Yet, you know, there's this dichotomy of then they then you know they overwhelmingly this generation supports candidates, uh, Democratic candidates who then support abortion up until the moment of birth. Welcome to Dear Jane. I'm your host Scott Baker. It's obvious that connecting with Gen Z is imperative if the pro-life movement is to have any success in the coming decades. There are some polls that seem to indicate there's a strong pro-life element of the younger generation, but when you look at their voting record, you have to wonder. Today, we visit with Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students for Life. Students for Life has active chapters on campuses across the country. Kristen, when you think about Gen Z, what gives you hope? Um, you know, I, I mean, what gives me hope is seeing Gen Z in action. Um, this is a generation that is highly passionate. And, you know, once they catch the vision and, you know, understand the injustice of abortion and then learn that there is something that they can do, a difference that they can make, a life that they can save or transform, um, they, their, you know, their innovation, their creativity, uh, seems to be almost endless. And I think that that is, um, we, I see that every day when I'm on campuses with students or mentoring students um, on the phone, just to hear the challenges that they've had to overcome, um, the obstacles they faced, whether it was, you know, university discrimination or. Uh, someone trying to out them on social media, you know, um, dox them, you know, put their address, rape threats, you know, death threats they received from teachers, parents, anybody online. Um, um, they've seen it all and yet they persist. When we talk, just to give us context, when we talk about students, you, you deal with not only college students, but do you also help high school students or no? Yes, we do. Actually, half of our 1,400 chapters are on high school campuses. Students have actually just launched a massive five-year campaign to uh, ensure uh, we are on every four-year campus uh, across the United States, all 2,675 of them. Um, and so we are very much uh, engaged and will be engaged in getting um, a lot of new students for life groups started or, or presences begun on these four-year campuses. Um, but yeah, we are, you know, we're equally high school and college campuses right now. Well, it seems like an uphill battle, especially when we see um, how people are treated on college campuses when they're, uh, when shall we say the, the mob doesn't agree with them. Have you faced any of that yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've certainly faced my share of threats, rape threats, death threats, etc. I now travel to college campuses, many college campuses with armed security, uh, because of some of the threats that, you know, we've seen in the past and just, you know, our abundance of caution. Um, so I, I think that, you know, we've definitely, if you've served in a campus pro-life movement, uh, for any amount of time, you've definitely have witnessed your share of just the nastiness that uh, can be found in this, you know, pro-death culture. Yeah, you, you know, and you hit it right there, though, pro-death culture. And I think that that's accurate. 
it still surprises me. You know, I, sometimes I read these studies and surveys and that sort of thing that says the younger, you know, Gen Z is does have a strong pro-life element. And I just I hope that's true, but I have a hard time believing it, given that they have grown up in this culture. They have grown up with abortion as the norm uh, with, you know, and now and shout your abortion and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, it, it just we have hope, though, I guess is what you're saying. Absolutely. And when you look at some of the research our uh, Messaging Institute, Dimitri Institute for Public Advancement has done, and we do messaging testing and uh, annual polling every year on abortion attitudes amongst the youth generation, whether it was, you know, Gen Y, now it's Gen Z, um, sometimes both. Um, you know, you definitely can still see a majority respect human life. Uh, and value human life. They may not call themselves, you know, pro, pro-life. pro The labels are often uh, very confusing for the young people. Um, there's a lot of bad uh, marketing or branding associated with the pro-life movement. So to get a young person to be anti-abortion is actually much easier to get them than get then to get them to say that they're pro-life. Uh, that's actually another step. But when you look at when you ask him questions, you know, do you think that a heart, uh, an abortion should be committed when there is a fetal heartbeat? Uh, majority will say no. They do not think that 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 should happen. Yet, you know, there's this dichotomy of then they then you know they overwhelmingly this generation supports candidates. Uh, Democratic candidates who then support abortion up until the moment of birth. And so, you know, there's, it's a really a massive educational lift that we have to do to continue to educate. And that's why it's so important. We always talk about, you know, pro-life politicians, the GOP politicians to boldly say, state their opinion on abortion and to do it um, with, without remorse and don't run away from, from this fact, because regardless of how a person may call themselves what, you know, I, I know a lot of people who call themselves pro-choice are actually very much pro-life that are against abortion. Um, and so, you know, even if they call themselves pro-choice, a lot of times I'll tell these candidates that, you know, your pro-choice voters are probably way more in line with you than they are with your democratic opponent who is saying that they support abortion up until the moment of birth, for whatever reason, and taxpayer funded, which is, you know, broadly 90% of Americans, including this generation, uh, reject. Um, so, you know, state, state where you are. And I think that for me has been, you know, this is a very justice oriented generation. Um, and, you know, we definitely see conversions happening every day. Like, for example, this, this semester on campuses, our 200 campus tour is called This is Chemical Abortion. We're exposing the dangers and evils of chemical abortion pills now, the, you know, the leading cause of prenatal death in our country. Uh, and we're averaging the highest conversion rate, mind changed rate we've ever had, which is 19% minds changed when we start having these discussions on campuses. Normally our minds change rate on campuses is about 10%. Our online minds change rate is 20 to 24%. Uh, so to see it go up so high when we start talking about not, you know, the dangers of chemical abortion, not only to the child, the child dying, but the dangers to the mother and how the mother isn't being told these dangers, the dangers to our environment, how we've had 22 years of chemically tainted blood, tissue, and human remains being flushed down our waterways, polluting our water, harming aquatic and farm life. Uh, that speaks to this generation who's, you know, grown up, uh, you know, with a, 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 and 
as you know a little kid in school been told you know, to have this having a deep care for our environment is is very important to them so um there's definitely ways where we can still see this generation uh um being anti-abortion um and being concerned by abortion um but it's not always in the ways that you know we would assume it is no that's interesting just from a messaging standpoint uh, to hear you say what resonates with them the dangers uh, both mm-hmm. to the to the mo- mother and the child. I, I know that that's always sort of an ongoing discussion or debate within the movement. Uh, you know, what messaging points oh, yeah. work? Should we should we focus yeah. on the rights of the mother? Should we remind people, hey, it's about this baby? Uh, but you have found something that works really well. It sounds like. Yeah, I'm sure, and I'm sure I'll probably have pro-lifers who are angry with us because we're focusing on the environment, how chemical abortion pills are hurting the environment. Therefore, I'm not talking about the baby. Therefore, I'm not being pro-life enough. I mean, welcome to the pro-life movement. Um, but if I'm changing minds about abortion, uh, I'll take it. And you know, we're speaking with this generation. Um, you can't, you know, the pro-life movement, you know, has to be innovative. That's been one of my, you know, one of our core values at Students for Life America for all of our team members to work for us is, you know, you have to be innovative. We have to be thinking of new ways to appeal to this generation, to, to get our message across, to win people over, new ways to stop the proliferation of chemical abortion and abortion in our culture. Um, and you have to constantly challenge yourself to do that. And, you know, it's, you know, it, it gets harder and harder the older you get, you know, I'm 38 years old and um, I'm no longer of the generation that's in college. Um, and so but I'm constantly doing focus group testing and messaging and conversations with young people uh, to figure out how to continue to make sure our message resonates, our brand uh, is, 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 is advancing and moving forward with them. As I hear you talking, I can't help but think of myself when I was in college, and it's been a it's been a minute, as the kids say. Um, and I think, okay, so I was certainly pro life. Certainly, you know, held a lot of various cons- what would be characterized as uh, conservative values, that sort of thing. But I, just to be honest, would probably be of the mindset of, you know, what it's not worth the hassle, and so I'm pretty much going to keep it to myself. I'm sure you run into that. How do you encourage students to sort of take that step to go to go public and become active with their beliefs? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's we're very lucky. And this is one of my challenges to the pro-life movement um, that I've had, you know, since the day since Roe has been reversed, that we've seen a lot of dioceses. Um, Christian churches pull back of their support of attending the March for Life or telling their students this year, for example, this was the last year you're going to the March for Life. And the reason being, we don't need to march in Washington, D.C. This is a state issue. Well, abortion is not just a state issue. It is a federal issue. It's a state issue and it's a local issue, even more so now in the post-Roe era. And, you know, ultimately, we won't see abortion completely abolish our land until we have a federal response, whether it's a recognizing the 14th Amendment does apply to all or a different constitutional amendment or if it's a bill of some sort. 
And I think, you know, for us at Students for Life, we were lucky because we're going on the campuses, we're online, we're recruiting young people who've already had some exposure to the pro-life movement. They've been brought to the March for Life. They had somebody come to their Catholic high school at one point and tell them abortion is wrong. They may not know, and this is what normally happens, they don't know how to articulate their pro-life beliefs very well, or they may not really know what to do with their pro-life feelings, but they know enough to know abortion is wrong. And that's what I need. I need those those little seeds that have been, you know, planted uh, because a diocese, because a parish, because a church invested in young people, brought a pro-life speaker to their youth group, took a bunch of kids to the March for Life and endured the grueling 24-hour bus trip. I need that little seed to have been planted because then we can come along with Students for Life and germinate that seed and 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 see it blossom into this amazing tree, this flower, whatever you know story you want to go with there. Um, and and that's what we do. We're able to quickly go on campuses using online technology, using good old fashioned clipboarding and tabling on campuses, and find these young people who will at least raise their hands and be countercultural to say, yes, I'm pro-life. Uh, yes, I will. Um, yes, I, I will actually do something about it. And then we can come alongside them and train them in how to become a leader, how to run their pro-life group, uh, what types of events to host on their campus, because their mission on campus uh, is very much twofold. Um, and, and, and we'll be with them every step of the way. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about this uh, metaphor of germinating the seed in students that other people plant. We'll do that when we come back here on Dear Jane. Are you a pregnancy center or pro-life organization that wants to grow your life-saving mission in a way that effectively reaches women who need help? At Choose Life Promo, our ultimate goal is to help organizations empower women to choose life. We take our design and marketing expertise to the next level, creating apparel, videos, and other items that are eye-catching and attractive, ripe with accurate information specifically for women that need support and spread awareness about your pregnancy center to donors and potential supporters. At Choose Life Promo, our mission is to impact our culture, to choose life through communication strategies grounded in both research and biblical values. We want to give you promotional items that inspire donations and also educate the abortion-minded woman about your pregnancy center so she can receive the care and support she needs. Saving lives is always in style. Learn more at ChooseLifePromo.com. And we're back here on Dear Jane. We're visiting with Kristen Hawkins from Students for Life. Kristen, before the break, we were talking about uh, how you're able to take the seed that has been planted in young people and then help them grow and become more proactive with their pro-life beliefs and that sort of thing. How do you get them to take that next big public step? I think it's having somebody that they recognize as their peer. You know, we have regional coordinators at Students for Life who are spread out across the country who are slightly older than them, but they still recognize them as as a peer. And someone really challenging them to say, great, I'm so glad you're with us on abortion. Now, do you do anything about it? And like I said earlier, this is a very justice-minded organization. Uh, young, you know, 
group of young people. And so, um, you know, we're able to just say, great, I'm so glad you're with us, but are you doing anything about it? And they know they need to be doing something about, you know, if they know injustice is, is happening, they feel naturally that they need to do something to stop that injustice. Um, and, you know, we're like, awesome. We, we fight against abortion every day. Let us show you, join us, you know, partner with us uh, in stopping this injustice from happening and stopping this violence from happening. When and why did you start Students for Life? Um, yeah, we started, you know, Students for Life um, nearly 17 years ago. I, I started a pro-life group in my high school. I started a pro-life group in my college. Um, and that was after an experience volunteering for a pregnancy resource center in my community. And I was given a, an amazing opportunity at 15 years old. I was asked to come in and, you know, intern for the accountant at the pregnancy resource center uh, and then it's quickly developed way more into, you know, you know, traditional internship things with students of, um, you know, organizing the diaper supply, uh, you know, updating the computer and teaching the 80 year old volunteers how to make a donor newsletter, um, you know, dusting and doing all that stuff. But then the, the, the staff did something different with me. They actually invested in me where I actually by the end of that summer was counseling women who came in. Uh, as a 15 year old. And so these were girls that were, and there was a lot of them were women who were older than me. Some were younger, sadly, who were coming in thinking that they were pregnant, um, thinking they had no other option. And um, we, we were right with them. And I got to walk alongside them, hear their stories. Really, many of them had already had abortions. Uh, seeing how the abortion didn't take them out of that bad situation in their life, the bad relationship, didn't end the relational poverty, the, the financial poverty they were in. Um, and so that I took that and that kind of inspired my passion to start a pro-life group in my high school, to pro start a pro-life group in my college. But, you know, the whole time I was you know, very much felt this alone factor. I mean, this was before social media. So I know it's hard to like imagine a world before social media, but this was before social media, before it was easy to find your people, before it was easy to find your tribe. Um, and we're going to a pro-life conference a, a couple of years in, and I found like 15 other young people who were under 50. And I was like, so excited that there were like 15 other people like me. And then, and then going to the March for Life though, and going, oh my gosh, there's all these other students. It's overwhelming. More than 70% of my staff, when you pull my staff and you ask them why they committed their life to this mission, uh, is because of going to the March for Life or they attended our national, Students for Life's National Pro-Life Summit. That feeling of, I'm alone, I'm pro-life, and then being overwhelmed knowing, wait a minute, I'm not alone, I'm surrounded by people, I may be the only person in my school willing to step up, um, but wait a minute, I'm not really alone, and I'm on the winning side of this. So that, I can't underemphasize the effect that that feeling has, and the impression, the imprint it leaves on a young person's life when they decide, I mean, like I said, more than 70, I, it might even be close to 80% of my, my 100 person staff says they committed themselves to work full time in the movement because they came to that March for Life or they came to our National Pro Life Summit uh, in Washington, which always precedes. So that is, that is, fen that's phenomenal. And so when we started Students for Life, the idea was to take the lessons that I had learned as, you know, that leader feeling alone a lot, uh, um, you know, how to help these young people, how to help other people. Cause I knew because of the March for life, 
I knew there were people out there who were like me, but who was helping these people, who was helping them understand how to be a good leader and set a meeting agenda and write a, you know, I remember, you know, going from my high school principal and having to research the First Amendment and writing this like formal letter. I I think I used clip art with a bunch of hearts and, you know, telling him, you know, I have rights and here are my rights. I didn't know there was you know, free legal groups out there that would have defended my rights and my principal would have denied my group. I made it sound scary as a as a 16 year old, but that's all I had. And so that was really the basis of starting Students for Life is we know that there's other people out there. They're at the March for Life. Let's actually get them activated. It's, you know, going to the March, going to the National Pro-Life Summit's amazing. It, it leaves this feeling in your heart. But what do you do when you go back? Are you actively involved in the pro-life movement? And since then, it's grown uh, quite a bit. You you do more than just organize local chapters. Tell us a little bit about all the different things Students for Life has going on. Yeah, Students for Life has, you know, in nearly 17 years has just, you know, it's it's one of those Holy Spirit stories of just, um, just seeing how the Lord has plans even greater than your own. Uh, and, you know, that constant prayer of, you know, you know, you lead me, you know, give me your words, uh, give me your wisdom. It's, it's unbelievable to see the growth of, you know, when we started Students for Life, we thought there were about 100 existing pro-life student groups on college campuses. There were really about 50 um, trying to take a campaign style approach of going on the offense of on campuses, starting groups, then starting groups in high schools growing to the point, well, then, you know, realizing you can't just start groups, then you have to create leadership programs and fellowships, because you're going to have outstanding leaders who then, you know, are going to want to get involved post-graduation, who are going to be leading this pro-life movement, and now many of them are leading the pro-life movement from state family policy council groups, state organizations, starting pregnancy centers, taking over pregnancy centers and maternity homes across the country. Uh, And so then it continues to grow as we are meeting the needs of this generation. So for example, you know, at Students for Life, we have Standing With You, which is a comprehensive resource database where uh, we've got all option line, you know, option lines queued in. You can do an instant chat with option line or call option line from the website. We have all the pregnancy centers, maternity homes, and we also have fairly qualified health centers, other public private support services, all offering nonviolent health care, i.e. not committing abortions. A woman can go in, start a chat, put her zip code, find that. We created that resource because there wasn't one and we needed one on campuses. Uh, we needed a way to have our students for life leaders be feel comfortable advertising a comprehensive resource for their their peers and also challenging our student leaders to transform policies on campuses uh, so no woman ever feels like she has to choose between her life life of her child and her education and so standing with you is more than just a comprehensive resource database that we're marketing on campuses it's also encouraging equipping and training our student leaders how to change actual policies on their college and high school campuses to be more friendly to pregnant parenting women. And then it morphed in, you know, and then we decided, wait, we, ha- we have all of these alumni who are in their communities, they're involved in four days for life, they're volunteering at pregnancy resource centers, but they're still asking, what more can I do? I, I've graduated from Students for Life and there's like this letdown feeling of I'm not involved. So then we launched our campaign for abortion-free cities, which is very much, you know, it's for pro-lifers of all ages, but it's it's run by our young adults, a lot of our alumni who are going literally door to door 
in neighborhoods surrounding abortion facilities, educating our neighbors about pregnancy resource centers. We have found in the past two years since launching this campaign and the more than 150,000 doors we've knocked in 20 neighborhoods, that 75% of our neighbors do not know pregnancy resource centers exist. And so we're working with churches, getting churches on board to, to promote the pregnancy resource centers. We're going to the county resource fair. We're running digital ads. We're doing everything we can to run like a mini campaign uh, in that community to one, educate about nonviolent resources. Uh, and once we do that, which we've proven in six months, we can increase the awareness of the pregnancy resource centers in the community by at least 10 to 14 percent. Then we, the next step is educating about the bad things that are happening in that abortion facility. Uh, and we kind of have just like up the mountain type of approach of how do we move that community, you know, educate about the nonviolent uh, resources, promote the nonviolent resources, uh, make create awareness of the abortion facility and the harmful things going on inside that facility, change minds about abortion, and then ultimately get a pro-life city council, pro-life elections happening. Uh, so that's our you know abortion-free cities project. You can find that abortionfreecities.org. We have free church kits there. People can 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 sign up for. Um, but then we also realized, wait a minute. We have a problem with uh, the brands of the pro-life movement, the, that pro-life name that I was speaking to earlier. So we launched our Dimitri Institute for Pro-Life Advancements, Institute for Pro-Life Advancement.org or .com, uh, probably both, um, and where we're actually every year doing research studies into how do we get those mushy middle, I don't like abortion, but young people, young men uh, to change their minds and get them to move the needle. How do we get... Uh, how do we get young people willing to, to, to raise their hand and say that they're a part of this pro-life movement? Um, and, you know, and then finally, it was, you know, we've got to do more to get young people on board in, in, in the politics, you know, getting them in front of our state legislators now that we are in this post-Roe era. So about three years ago, we launched Students for Life Action focusing on a post-row strategy of state legislation. Uh, so in any given day, you know, we have students lobbying their elected officials, uh, advocating, you know, for um, legislation, pro-life legislation states, some of the legislation we've written, some that our friends and allies have written. It sounds like you do have a lot going on there. And I liked especially what you said about the work you're doing for pregnancy resource centers. I think they're under attack literally and figuratively right now, legislatively, certainly. I think the other side has has seen that they are effective at what they do and that they might be an easy target. So um, bringing help, bringing an awareness to the great work done by pregnancy centers is awesome. Now, as someone who, like yourself, who is in the middle of cancel culture, you've talked about how you um, have faced it many times when you visit campus campuses and such. What advice do you have for those of us who might want to engage, but really want no part of the nonsense that is the cancel culture? Yeah, I mean, you know, mainly with cancel culture, and we tell our young people is you are the only person who can cancel yourself. Um, you, you know, and I think that is extremely, extremely important. Um, I think people need to understand that is that they're going to come after you. They're going to create accusations. Um, but you are the only person that can cancel yourself. Of course, the name of our podcast is Dear Jane. Um, 
What would you say to the Jane out there right now who finds herself uh, maybe with an unplanned pregnancy? What would be your message to her? I think one of the things that's being left out in our culture and, you know, we, we hear like Planned Parenthood talking about their feminism, you know, language, but really they're the anti-feminists of our day because they tell women that they're, that they're strong, they're powerful and they're mighty then they can't one define what a woman is. And two, then they tell women that, well, they're not strong enough for that. They aren't able to go to college, get their degree and also be, be a mother. They're not strong enough. They're not able, they're not gonna be able to advance in their career the way they've always envisioned and also being a mother. Uh, and I think that's just a real tragedy that this generation faces. I hear it on campuses all the time from young women who'll say, you know, I, I understand, I understand that you, you know, are, are pro-life and I, you know, abortion kills a baby and I understand it's a human life. However, um, you know, it's just my life over its life. I have to choose me. And it's, 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 a, it's a, sort of a selfish choice and, you know, of saying that you're, you're, you're choosing yourself. And I, and I think we need to challenge her. And I believe that and I've certainly witnessed enough conversations with with women who've done who've made this choice over the years. You are strong enough. You never know how strong you are, uh, really, until you become a mother. And that's when you will know the you are at your peak strongness. I'll put it that way. Um, and I think that's that's really important is that you are strong enough to become a mother. You are capable enough uh, to advance in your career. Um, and, and also be a mother and also have a family. It's no, no, I'm not going to sugarcoat for you as a working mom of, uh, you know, as a wife, as a mother, uh, someone who's running an organization who literally can't even do a podcast without five different people calling her and 10 different people texting her at the moment, not to mention the emails are coming in. Uh, I certainly realize you are always going to be multitasking and it's, it's certainly going to require all of your brain power. Um, but you are capable of doing it. And I think she needs to hear that because I don't think she's being told that it's, it's like this, the old feminist mantra, you know, of I am woman, hear me roar is gone away. Um, you don't hear that anymore. Um, and I, and I feel like it's such a disservice being done to our young people. You are strong enough to choose nine months to give nine months, you know, to sacrifice. Yes. Being pregnant. Um, I'm an odd person. I like to be pregnant. Most people, most women don't really enjoy being pregnant a lot of times. Um, uh, you are capable of sacrificing for nine months. So another person can do 90 years, whether you want to become a parent to that child or whether you want to place that child with an adoptive family, that's up to you. Um, and no one's going to force you to have to parent your child. If, if you don't feel like you're ready to parent, but you are capable and you are able. And I believe Every, every woman is, can choose that noble route. Really wise words, and we appreciate it. Kristen Hawkins, Students for Life, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Is your marketing plan built to withstand the political, cultural, and spiritual battles you face in the post-row world? The Samaritan Summit exists to help you navigate these new challenges so your message isn't compromised, and so you can reach as many abortion-determined women as possible. 
This year's summit will be in Nashville on September 19th through the 21st. Our workshops will help you confidently assemble your board and leadership team, help you welcome women into your center who are confused by deceptive communication from the abortion industry, and offer courage and support for the myriad new challenges you face after the Dobbs decision last year. Register today to secure your spot at this year's event at SamaritanSummit.org. On this edition of People You Should Know, we visit with Kathy Roberts from Life Choices Pregnancy Center in Longmont, Colorado. In June of 2022, Life Choices was firebombed by domestic terrorists the morning after the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. Kathy says immediately after the attack, her team decided to move forward with determination. So we talked about our mission to serve women and men and their families. And that um, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us love and power and a sound mind. And that we were still going to love our community, our women and men facing these difficult decisions through and even with the trials that we were facing. I told him that we would not stop and that we would not be bullied or intimidated and that we would overcome evil with good. Kathy says the danger didn't end after the attack. We have had several threats that are were unnerving right after this. And, and just learning to rely and lean on God even more. Um, as a staff, we've grown and matured together in this area. And mostly for me, the gift of forgiveness. She says one of the hardest challenges was getting clients to feel safe again. Um, once we opened, it was really hard to get our clients to come in right away because of fear. You know, they didn't know if maybe they would be harmed or bombed in the middle of a being at our center. Kathy says that pro-life supporters and pro-choice advocates stepped up in support of the center after the attack. The firebombing really knocked a lot of people who are pro-life off their off the fence. Um, many people called and wanted to see how they could help in the community, including people that are pro-choice, who apologized for what happened to us and said, even though they are pro-choice, they did not believe in violence. And um, they knew that we did a good work in the community, that they knew we'd been here forever, and they did not agree with what was taking place. So um, that was a positive Kathy says recovering from the attack has happened because of the dedication of staff and volunteers. It took me about three months to find a place to open back up. Even in this time where it felt unsettling, um, I can tell you that we just have an incredible, makes me want to cry. We have an incredible staff and volunteers. Um, They're still committed. They've come back. We haven't lost any, and um, we're serving our community right now. While most efforts to prosecute those who attack pregnancy centers have been lacking across the country, Kathy says local and federal law enforcement have been working hard in Longmont. The FBI here locally are pursuing and looking for those who did this. And I did ask the question, how long will you do this until you consider it a cold case? And one of the FBI agents said, "Um, not in my lifetime, 
After all is said and done, Kathy says it's important to send a message that the work being done by Life Choices will not end and the workers are undeterred. And I want the public to know that we are not the number one enemy to women's health care that is spun by a dishonest media. Pregnancy medical centers are a port and a storm for those who feel hopeless and confused and afraid of their um, unplanned pregnancy and the choices they have to make are are pretty tough when you didn't plan on being pregnant. And so we want to support them and um, both men and women who are having to make a life altering decision. And we're here to serve and show them the love that Christ showed us. We speak truth in love. And if they choose life, we appoint them to the amazing community to help that helps provide those resources. And we help them with the resources we can. And um, if they choose adoption, we help them to find that agency that's right for them. And if they choose abortion, we offer that hope and that help uh, to those who struggle. And we let them know that if they do, we want them to come back so that we can help them um, with what most women and men go through, which is shame and guilt and feeling judged. And we want them to know that they're cared for. My thanks again to Kristen Hawkins from Students for Life for joining us today. If you want to learn more about what their organization is doing, you can visit their website at studentsforlife.org. Two big takeaways for me from our conversation. The first is she gave me new vocabulary, nonviolent health care. I love that. I think it's a great response to the ridiculous claim that killing babies is health care. The other takeaway is that we again have a large segment of the population, in this case students, who are of voting age and they value life and they have strong pro-life values, but it doesn't translate into supporting pro-life candidates and ballot issues. As a movement, we've got to fix that. In some cases, that may mean using messages that might not necessarily resonate with us. That's okay. We get so hung up on making sure people spread the message in a way that makes sense to us, that resonates with us. We may need to consider the younger audience when it comes to helping them understand the importance of supporting pro-life candidates and initiatives. Thank you for listening to Dear Jane. I'm Scott Baker. Dear Jane is a production of the Choose Life Coalition. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and tell your friends. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dear Jane Podcast.